Maimonides writes, Rambam says, that every Jew, by nature of his soul, really wants to do whatever it is that God asks of him. Only at times, his animal soul interferes. His Yetzirah gets in the way. And if we can just remove the Yetzirah, if we can just remove the interference, then the true nature of the Jew will reassert itself. And in his true nature, every Jew wants to do what God asks of us. Welcome to the Ideas That Change the World podcast with Rabbi Manus Friedman, where we make sure your life will be changed for the better, one idea at a time. Rabbi Friedman is the number one voice of clarity on moral and social issues. So what are we waiting for? Let's go change the world. The meaning behind that, aside from telling us something about the nature of a Jew, also tells us something about the nature of commandments. Every commandment is a request from God, something God needs us to do. And that which God needs is, of course, greater than any human quality that any human trait, even the most noble of human traits, because what God needs is godly, it's divine. And when a human being is wonderful and godly, it is in the image of God. It's a human being at his best, but not divine. This idea was brought across very strongly in the following story that comes from the diary of a Hasid who was exiled by the communists to a very remote uh, area in Siberia. The Hasid's name is Rabbi Fol. They called him Fola. It was after the Bolshevik Revolution when the communists tried with all their might, considerable might, to discourage Jews from observing Judaism and particularly from teaching it to the younger generation. This Chassid Rebbe was found guilty of perpetuating Judaism and he was exiled for many years during which he spent some years in prison, in an actual cell, some years on a labor camp in a gulag, and some simply in exile. One of the exiles, where he spent two years, was in a village off the, rib off the river Ob, which is near the Arctic Ocean. And the name of the village was Che, a very primitive place that was populated by a very primitive people called the Samoyeds. Before the communists 
set up that village as an exile for, for their prisoners and introduced kerosene or kerosene lamps to the region. The people who lived there, the Samoyeds, had never seen fire because nothing grows there and so there is nothing to burn. For the longest time, the Samoyeds lived off the reindeer. Their tents, their huts were made of reindeer. Their clothing was made of reindeer. Their utensils were made of reindeer bones. And their staple was the, f the meat of the reindeer. In fact, they also domesticated reindeer and hitched them to their sleds and traveled very quickly over the ice. But they ate the meat of the reindeer raw. They never cooked their meat, never cooked their food. When the prisoners arrived there, this was back in the 30s, when the prisoners arrived there, they were told to find their own lodging. This was not going to be a prison cell, this was going to be an exile. So there was an official building, a prison building, where the guards slept and where the offices were. But other than that, the prisoners had to find their own lodging. The Chassid, Rebbe wanted to put on his tefillin every morning. And so he tried to live in a cave. But even with a fire going, the cold was so incredible that he had to move into a hut and rent space in the hut of a Samoyed family. So they curtained off a little corner of the, of the hut for the, for the Hasid, and he paid for it with cigarettes that were sent to him from, from Moscow by his family. He got up very early every morning to put on tefillin before the family had, had gotten up. One time, as he was wearing his tefillin, the Samoyed, his landlord, came into his little cubicle and caught him wearing his tefillin. The Chassid panicked, didn't know what to do. Now he was afraid that either he would be killed or the tefillin would be confiscated. But he had underestimated the primitiveness of the Samoyeds. The Samoyed looked at him for a while and then said, do all the people in Moscow do that? And he said yes. And from then on he was able to put on the tefillin without having to hide because the Samoyed had no idea that this was a religious practice and, and would not report him to the authorities. In fact, the Samoyeds were so primitive that their favorite drink was the blood of the, of the animals. So they wouldn't shoot the animal because then they would lose the blood. They would strangle the animal and save all the blood. They would sit around in a circle with a bowl in the center and uh, eat the raw meat and then 
help themselves to a drink from the bowl, which was the, the, the blood of the animal. Once in a while, they would have polar bear. Also, in the, in the more, uh, in the milder months, when they could break through the ice, they would sometimes catch fish. In fact, the Chassid writes in his diary that one time he saw them pull a nine-foot fish out of the water, which was quite awesome. Most of the fish, of course, were not kosher. <clears throat> and um, the reindeer is kosher, but first of all, he would have to slaughter it properly, and he didn't know how to do that. And even if he did, he would have to eat it raw, and he had no stomach for that. So he lived off the food that the prison provided, and that was a bowl of soup every day and a certain measure of bread. The soup he gave away because he wasn't sure it was kosher, and lived off the bread and some vegetables wherever he was able to, to scrape some together. During the time that the Chassid was there in the village of Khe, the Samoyeds grew to respect him as a holy man. In fact, they would refer to him as the holy man because they saw that he was unwavering in his principles of kashrut and, Shab and, Shab and Shabbos and so on, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't compromise at all and uh, gave up a lot of creature comforts in order to be able to do that, aside from also putting himself in danger with the authorities. The first Pesach that he was in Che, he received a, a box of matzah from home, and for the eight days of Pesach, when he couldn't even eat the little bit of bread that the prison provided, he lived completely, exclusively, off of the matzah for the eight days. The second year that, uh, that he was in Che, a week before Pesach, the matzah had not arrived. And every day, the Samoyeds would go to the prison building and ask if the mail had come because they were worried about Rebrifal, knowing that if the matzah doesn't come, he will starve to death rather than eat bread on Pesach. But each day, the matzah didn't arrive. A messenger came down from the Arctic uh, port to the village of Che, asking that a sled be sent up to the port to bring a high-ranking official down to visit the, um, the village. This was a time of the year when the ice had begun to melt so that it was somewhat dangerous to travel over the river. And yet, on the other hand, of course, the ice was not melted sufficiently for boats to come through the river. And so they were really cut off and no mail, no mail was being delivered. Nobody wanted to take that trip over the thinning ice. But finally, one guy was chosen and told that he had to go. And so he's getting ready to go, and all the prisoners, there were 12 prisoners, all the prisoners ask him to bring the mail back from the port when he comes. And of course, he refuses because he doesn't want to add weight to the sled. He arrives at the port, 
and picks up the, uh, the official, the high-ranking official, and he stops off at the post office to pick up his own mail. The guy in the post office says, I've got lots of mail, lots of packages. Take, a, take it with you. And again, he refused to add weight to the sled. But the post office man says to him, there's one box I think you should take. It looks very important. And he brings out this box that has dozens of, of seals and stamps and, and signatures and labels all over the surface of the box. And he says, this looks like it may be military information or military supplies, and they may send you back just to get this box. So you better take it. And he takes the box. It was the box of matzah that Rebbe Fall's wife had sent long before Purim. But the communists, knowing that it was matzah, knowing that matzah was needed for Pesach, maliciously sent the box in the wrong direction. They sent it down south instead of up north, planning for it to arrive in Che after Pesach. So each post office that it came to put another stamp on it or another signature or another label. And by the time it got up to Che, it looked like the most important piece of, of, of mail that the guy had ever seen in his life and in, impressed him enough to, to convince the guy to take it back with him. When he arrives back in Che, and he himself couldn't read, but when somebody there read the addressee, and it turns out to be addressed to Rebbe Fall. They open it up and it's the matzah. Well, the Samoyeds were thrilled. And they pick up the chassid on their shoulders and they do this little dance with him. And they make up this little song about the God of Israel protects his people or something like that. 